0: Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, this week we continue this series. We've been walking through... um, If you haven't been here, uh, welcome. If uh, if you're jumping back in, uh, certainly each week stands alone, but a series in this nature, uh, all of them uh, come together under one umbrella. And what we've been talking about is what it means to engage in a deeper relationship with Jesus through this term uh, and this 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 thing that we call spiritual disciplines and the idea of a spiritual discipline is basically a means or some kind of action or activity or engagement that we as humans engage in or participate in to grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus and then ultimately additionally with others The first portion that we walked through last month were typically or mostly inward um, spiritual disciplines, disciplines that, that a lot of times can be done or practiced between just us and God. Uh, The second one, which we're in right now, the second category, so to speak, are outward, and these specifically will start inward uh, for the most part, and then we'll have an outward impact or an outward action, and a lot of times those are done in conjunction with the body, with others that we might even do here on a Sunday morning or you do in a small group throughout the week or with your family Uh, or whatever else that looks like. And then next month, we're going to continue the third category, which are some forgotten spiritual disciplines, some that are talked about in Scripture and in in Christian history, uh, practiced a lot, but uh, maybe today in our current context are not discussed or practiced as often. Today's is an interesting one, Selfless generosity, if you were able to read the sign as you whizzed by this morning, selfless generosity is an interesting thing um, as it's far larger than simply just tithing. You know, I had somebody ask, and we even talked a little bit about, what if we just pass the offering plates at the end of service once everybody's listened to the passage and then they'll feel like they should give because, and I thought, yeah, that's hilarious, except for the fact that selfless generosity is, is about so much more than our finances, Selfless generosity is actually a posture. Selfless generosity, I would say, in essence of, of recognizing these categories, fits in all three. Selfless generosity is an inward thing. It starts inward, in fact. In fact, if, if you think about it, even in the context of, uh, of what it means to practice spiritual uh, disciplines or what it, what it means to practice selfless generosity, it has to start inward or else it's not selfless and it's not generosity. Sometimes when we, when we give of our time, our talent, our treasure, when we step out and we give something and we don't have selfless generosity, we do so grudgingly. That's not generous. We do so out of obligation. That's not selfless. And so when we look specifically at this practice, this spiritual discipline of selfless generosity, we recognize that it starts inward, but it also has an outward action. Something has to take place as a result of what God has done and is doing within us. And it goes far beyond any any specific passage that talks about how we should invest or what we should do with our finance or what we should do with our time or even our talent. Instead, this starts specifically with our heart. A posturing of who we are, a posturing of the identity that we have, and a posturing of who we ultimately are serve. Think for just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to answer, but think for just a moment. If you were to look at maybe just a, a transcript of all of your expenses uh, as it was a result to your checkbook, if you were to look at, at, a, at a paper that revealed all the things, a time audit, all the things that you've done this week, and even in, in essence, if you were to write down all the gifts, the talents that you have, and you were to say, okay, here's how I use these. Just this past week, what would you say? Who would you say is your God? Who or what are you serving? Where are you investing your time, your talent, and your treasure? Ultimately, the the response to that is whatever you value, whatever your priority is, whoever your God or whatever your God is, is going to take and is going to afford and is going to want all of your time, your talent, and your treasure. We're going to look specifically today at a passage that highlights what it means to have a heart that is bent towards God. What what a what a heart looks like that wants to invest all that we are towards the One who created us. And this specific letter that we're going to read today, or portion of it, is from uh, is from the New Testament. It's actually the the, the letter is uh, is written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, who we talked about the last two weeks. You remember, two weeks ago we talked about this guy Saul and how he uh, was changed by by the grace of God uh, into a, a new creation. He was made new and He became Paul and then last week we talked about his his specific engagement and what he did and the way that he stepped forward as a response to what God did in his life today we're going to actually read from one of the letters that he sent to the church in Ephesus and this specific city was one that was of great importance at the time there was a recognition that there were a lot of and because of that importance there were a lot of people that were trying to, to to find power to establish their dominance to find authority in this context and part of that the the recognition there is that the people that were tempted to try to find a authority were also tempted to try to get people to follow their way, what they believed. And so a lot of false teaching was coming into this area, into this culture, and even into the church, the church that Paul was writing to. And so as Paul is writing to this church, he's giving out some specific basic knowledge and information that's extremely important for all Christians. And the recognition in all contexts when we read scripture is that there is an original audience, but there are also universal principles that we can pull out that are for all people for all time. And right now, specifically in this place, or if you're joining online, for us in this moment. And so what I want us to do in any time that we read Scripture is to step into it with the recognition that God has a word for you and a word for me. Amen? God wants to say something to you, say something to me, say something to all of us today. And when he says that, he wants us to respond to what he has for us. And this is one of the amazing things about scripture and the amazing things about the God that we serve. In many cases, I'll be standing in the lobby after service, or I'll I'll hear from some of you throughout the week, and you'll say something along the lines of, man, that passage was just for me. The Holy Spirit was speaking just to me. And oftentimes, there's even something else where they say, when you said this, and I think, I don't remember saying that at all. But the amazing thing is the Holy Spirit is able to speak even through a flawed vessel so that each one of us can experience his word in a way that we need to hear it. Amen? Amen. And so today, let us, allow, let us allow the scripture, let us allow this passage, let us allow the word of God to permeate within us. What does the Spirit have for you today? Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, and it reads like this, Follow God's example. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, of Christ, and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once dark once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light comes consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them it is shameful even to mention that the disobedient what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light, becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is." would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you once again for your word, the gift of your word. And I pray, God, that as we read this word and as we explore what you have for us today, that you would speak to each person within the context of this room and within those that are are joining online, myself included, Father, that we would hear from you and that we would step forward with courage and boldness in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. As we walk through this concept of of selfless generosity, we're going to do so by exploring three specific questions. If you're following along in your note guide, there are specific points that go underneath each one. And as we do, we're going to walk through this passage and we're going to pull out or draw out some specific principles that are true for us today and that are universally true for the church. That first question, what is selfless generosity, is an interesting one. And here, if we look at Paul's text, we recognize the fact that he answers that fairly quickly as he begins to address this, or as he continues to address his readers in this specific verse. Verse 1 says, Follow God's example. Now, if you were just to read that by itself without any other context, without any other passage, you might say, okay, what is God's example? What does he do? What is he about? But the more that you read the uh, scripture, the more that you understand who God is and you recognize his nature, you recognize the fact that his example is profound. For if you know Jesus, if you've, if you've experienced the love of Jesus, if you know him as your Savior and as your Lord, you recognize that God's example is the fact that his provision goes beyond all because God gave himself. He gave his son, Jesus, for us. God gave his son, Jesus, for you. And here, when we, when we follow God's example, we recognize that God's example is self-sacrifice. And God's example was one that we would recognize that he gave all, he gave everything, Selfless, selfless generosity emulates God's example of self-sacrifice. And if you're taking notes, put this underneath that. He lived and died self-sacrifice so that we could live self-sacrifice. Think about the reality of this for, for what God has done. He gave all that he was. He gave himself to, to, to come here and with that when he gave this, this, this all in, this all encompassing this, this everything that he was situation of saying okay I'm going to step into a place of darkness, a place of despair a place of brokenness and I'm going to live there among the creation that has turned its back on me. He didn't say well I will be self sacrificing as long as the people or the person or the entity that I'm supposed to serve or I'm going to serve alongside believes or does everything the way that I want to do it. Anybody married in here? A few of you? Okay. I'm the only one that's gonna admit it, I guess. A couple of you, yeah. Let me just say, sometimes in a marriage there's situations, well, not in ours, of course, right? But there's situations where you're gonna disagree with the person that you're married to about something. But the call of being all in and the vow that you take when you step into a marriage recognizes the fact that in the moments of disagreement, there's still a certain love and all-in self-sacrifice for the person you made the commitment to. And what God has done for us as he's made this commitment, this covenant for us to step into, is even in the midst of when we were yet sinners, he still loved us. He still loves us and he hasn't given up on us. You, know, you can't outgive God. God gave everything. God gave Himself. And He continues to give with life and joy and, and, and relief and reconciliation and relationship reconciliation and, and, and tangible needs and the things that we have before us. He gave it all. He gave the best. He gave it for you and for me. Furthermore, as we, as we continue in this passage in recognition of, of what selfless generosity is, there's this sacrificial way that Jesus expressed his love for us, that not only a means of salvation, but the demonstration of how we should do it. In verse 2 it says, And walk in the ways of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love. What what does that mean? Love here is a verb. Love is an action. Love is an offering. Stepping out and giving and doing as, as, as God calls us to do so. And as he demonstrated himself. He gave himself up as a fragrant offering. Jesus was a sacrifice with an attitude and a posture which desires to worship God. And that word worship there is crucial in this specific passage, in this understanding of what it means to truly live selflessly, what it means to truly ser- to, to serve and to love generously. In fact, the second point there in, in conjunction with verse 2 is that selfless generosity is a form of worship. Rhetorically, I'll ask the question what comes to mind when you hear the word worship? Is it a song? Is it a, is it a space? Is it a service? Is it a person? Can I just say, worship is more than we, worship is, is way larger than we give it credit for. Worship is more than just a song. Worship is more than just having your, your coffee and, and, and the warm feels. Worship is more than anything that we could ever imagine. In uh, in John MacArthur's book, A Sufficiency in Christ, he he shares this story, and I'm going to read it. It says, a poor man had wanted to go on a cruise his whole life. As a youngster, he had seen an advertisement for a luxury cruise, and even since, he had dreamed of spending a week on a large ocean liner, enjoying fresh seawater and relaxing in a luxury environment. He saved money for years, and carefully counting his pennies, often sacrificed personal needs so that he could stretch his resources a little further. Finally, he had enough to purchase a cruise ticket, and he went to, he went to a travel agent, looked for a cruise brochure, picked out uh, one that was especially attractive, and bought a ticket with the money that he had saved for so long. He was hardly able to believe he was, a, he was also about to realize his childhood dream. At the same time, knowing that he could not afford the kind of elegant food pictured in the brochure, the man planned to bring his own provisions for the week. Accustomed to moderation after years of frugal living and with his entire savings going towards the purchase of a ticket, the man decided to bring along a week's supply of bread and peanut butter. That was all he could afford. The first few days of the cruise were thrilling. The man ate peanut butter sandwiches alone in his room each morning and spent the rest of the time relaxing in the sunlight and fresh air, delighting in, delighted to be aboard a ship. By midweek, however, the man was beginning to notice that he was, only per- he was the only person on board who was not eating luxury meals. It seemed that every time he sat on the deck or rested in the lounge or stepped outside the cabin, a porter would walk by with a huge meal for someone who had ordered room service. By the fifth day of the cruise, the man could not take it any longer. The peanut butter sandwiches seemed stale and tasteless, and he was desperately hungry, and even the fresh air and the sunshine had lost their appeal." Finally stopped a porter and exclaimed, Tell me how I might get one of those meals. I'm dying for some decent food, and I'll do anything just to get or to earn what you have. Why, sir, don't why, sir, don't you have a ticket for this cruise? the porter asked. Certainly, said the man, but I spent everything that I had on a ticket, and I had nothing left with which to buy food. But, sir, the porter didn't you realize, the porter said, didn't you realize meals are included with your passage? You may eat as much as you like. There's a many different applications that can come from this passage. Let me just say, I think sometimes as believers, we have the tendency to settle or to hold back when recognition that God has given us so Much. God has given us the opportunity to be able to worship him in so many different forms. And those, in many cases, coincide with where you are in life, with the gifts that you have, with the things that you have. If, if you like to work with wood, guess what? God's given the opportunity to be able to worship him by working with wood. If, if you like to engage with people, maybe you're a counselor or you like to listen, God has given you the opportunity to be able to worship through listening and engaging with others. There's nothing too large, too small as a teacher or a nurse or as a parent. God has given us the avenue to be able to worship him in all aspects, in all ways. Worship is not pigeonholed simply to just music. If it is, then that's just a check-in and a check-out. Instead, God wants us to worship him in all aspects, in all areas of life. I love that last line there, you can eat all that you want. It reminds me, I think I've told this story here before about how I used to go to my grandmother's and the response she would have when we would leave was, hey, if you leave hungry, it's your own fault. Because she would make any meal, any time of day, any time of night, anything that we wanted and she would feed, feed, feed us. And if you leave hungry, it's your own fault. And God says the same thing. Hey, in this relationship, if you leave hungry, it's your own fault. Selfless generosity is a a sacrifice. It's worship. It's a pleasing aroma to the God, the creator, the one who loves us. Sacrifice with the understanding and the action of putting God first. The second question, how does one practice selfless generosity? This is kind of a two-part for the first point. The first point begins in verse 3. It says, but among you there must not be a hint I like that because Paul doesn't mince words here. Not even a hint. How, how much is a hint? Anybody want to, is there any way to measure a hint? A hint is the difference between nothing and something, right? A hint is the difference between saying, okay, there is, there is, there is actually, you know, a, a, a grain of salt left in the salt shaker and, and it doesn't need to be filled yet, right? Or it needs, it, it needs to be filled. There's nothing left in there. Nobody else has had to be the one to fill the salt shaker. All right, I'll just, I'll continue moving on. A hint, right? A hint means there is something there. And what Paul is saying here through the, through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he writes his passages is there must not be a hint. Nothing. No immor- sexual immorality. No kind of impurity. No greed. Verse 4 continues the response What what should you have then? But rather, thanksgiving. Well, if if there's not going to be a hint of this, then what do I be filled with? We're filled with thanksgiving. We're we're filled with this this posture, this understanding. And if you're filled with thanksgiving, that means we're not filled with ungratefulness or unappreciation or unthankfulness. You can't be both. You can't have both postures. You can't be two things at once. You can't serve two masters. Have you ever driven a car before you recognize that where you steer it is where it's going to go? You can't go two directions at once. It doesn't matter if you turn your right turn signal on and you turn left. You're only going one way. I saw that earlier this week. It can cause everybody else to think you're going a different way. Be grateful for all that God has given us. We can displace evil thoughts and words by being grateful for what God has done. You know, I often think about this the prospect or the the, the practice of fasting. We're going to talk about this next month, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But the amazing thing about fasting is those hunger pains can be a reminder. What Satan attempts to use as a weakness can be a reminder for us to engage with our God. Right? And, and when those thoughts of worry or concern or stress, you know, and, and when we're applying this to real life, when those things come into our mind, those thoughts of, man, I really want to, oh man. When those things come into our mind, no, that's an opportunity to say, God, I am thankful for who you are. A reminder when Satan tempts us to be able to turn towards our God. In fact, the point under that, the first point is this. Selfless generosity reveals itself through a posture of thanksgiving. An imposter isn't just an action, it's a position, it's who we are, it's how we act, how we respond to the things around us. Furthermore, in verse 5, it reads like this, For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The greedy person wants things more than they want God, which is why there's no inheritance. They, they put things before God, thereby committing idolatry, and this persistent practice excludes God from their life. When we put other things before God in a consistent fashion, we are saying, God, you are not my God anymore. In fact, I'm going to serve this or this person or whatever it might be. And the second point under that question is this, selfless generosity and greed cannot coexist. Not too long ago, I was sitting in a parking lot and someone backed up. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I've got a car in front of me and a car behind me, I can't go anywhere. And they continued to back up. And they continued to back up and I was actually on the phone with somebody and said, I'm about to get hit by a car. And they backed right into the side of me. And I found out right away that two objects can't be in the same space at the same time. We can't be both grateful and ungrateful at the same time. We can't both be selfless and, 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 and humble and loving while being full of hate and rage and selfish at the same time. Greed cannot be, we, we can't serve, and this is an interesting passage, we, we read about the, 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 the fact that money is so evil. No, no, the love of money is evil. And so if we love money and we don't love God, we are, we're, we're chasing after this greed. There's a recognition you can't serve two masters. So how does one practice selfless generosity? They do so by serving God and God alone. You didn't know I was going to preach today, did you? That third question, why practice selfless generosity? Why? What, what, what's the point This is another means of discipleship It's part of our growth. And what I want to do is I'm just going to kind of hit, just kind of hit, do some quick hits on some of these verses as we walk through. And then we're going to land specifically uh, later on in this passage on a a main point of why practice selfish generosity. It's interesting uh, when we look at these nuggets, verses eight and nine, there's this reflection revealing a response of what God has done. It reveals the need and reaction of God's first action. And we do not need uh, to, to earn things. We don't need to earn salvation. In fact, salvation is, is freely given uh, by grace through faith. But however, when we experience Jesus, there is this response that comes out of us. There's this outpouring of who we are. How we, how we, how we are, uh, interact with God and how we engage with God is going to have a response, going to have a reflection of, uh, within our lives. You've experienced this before. How we do something or what we do has a response, has a reaction. You know, when you when you you're out in the in the in the garage and you hit yourself, you hit your ha- finger with a hammer, or you have a bad day at work, or you have an argument with a with a coworker, or you get a bad grade at school, or you have to give a bad grade at school. Right? When you when you're in these situations where something bad happens, the the typical thing right after that is is that there's you know a, a moment of, of frustration. There's a, maybe even for some a lashing out, depending upon how the severity of the situation sometimes maybe guys we can admit this you know we have a bad day at work and then we, we come home and we, we have a, a a bad response when we get in the door anybody don't do this if you're sitting next to your husband but sometimes ladies that the, there may be a bad a bad bad day at work or maybe somebody does something uh to to you on the road or or maybe you know, kids are acting I don't know what it is and and, and you have this frustration. it's like okay, I just need a minute right and and there's this The response there, the, re- the recognition there's a perfect metaphor is, is how we exit one room is going to impact how we enter the next. How we exit this room of, of being in the presence of God and, and, and reflecting with him and, and even what our, our, our morning looks like our afternoon or whenever you engage with God specifically, the, the time that we have with God is going to impact the rest of our day, the rest of our, the next moment specifically, but the rest of our life. And here this reflection reveals that God's response, what God has done for us should have a rippling effect on the people, on on the surroundings, on the sphere of influence around us. Verse 11 talks about this ultimate investment. Light exposes darkness, and the contract shows that the sin that we see in life. 13 and 14 talks about, it goes through this repetition that Paul shares, which anytime there's repetition in scripture, take note of it. Read that. Find out exactly why things are being repeated. But there's this stress of of, of all the pervasive nature and the fact that the light of God will inevitably affect and, and transform and change everything around us. Verse 15 talks about making the most of every opportunity, the call to care and wisdom you and i only have today once you and i only have this moment one time this is it this is the only this moment is the only moment we're going to have like this this is the only day that on the calendar ever this is the only one it's not going to come around next week or next year in a a thousand years this this is the only day this is this day is this day that's it Verse 16, the foolish person has no strategy for life and misses the opportunity to live for God in an evil environment. Among all these reasons, the points above and all the points that cause and effect of life and all the things that they are, why practice selfless generosity? The answer or the response that I would say that that Paul is giving us right here is selfless generosity is an intentional response to God's payment on our behalf. And that response is easy and it's summed up in one word and it is Love. Not love as the world would define it, but this unconditional love. God wants to have a deep, lasting, loving relationship with you. And selfless generosity is an outpouring. It's an expression of the love that we have with God and with others. God wants selfless generosity to be not just an action we take, but an outpouring of the heart that we have that's bent towards a God who has first expressed that love to us and for us. It's this rippling effect, like when you throw a rock or, a, or you cast a line and a bobber into a pond and you see the ripples come out from it. That's what God's intention is for us, to see the, the rippling effect of his love all, to all the people around us, to everyone that might be, we come in contact with. Every believer receives this greatest gift of love that ha- God has for us. With this in mind, uh, generosity is not an attempt to earn something. Instead, it's a response for his gift. It's a response to His gift. And so, what I want to do is just take a moment to to pause and look practically at what it means to practice selfless generosity. We have specifically three areas in which God has entrusted us to be able to serve, to live, to grow. Three areas that we can invest, we can waste, we can do whatever we want with. God has given us free will to say, here you go, this is yours. The first area of investment is our time. The first area of investment is our time, the hours of the day. Our our time begins at birth and ends on this earth at death. And for most of us, our time, and you can do the math for yourself, is about 25,000 days. 25,000 days. Our time is, is precious. And the amazing thing about time is this. Out of all the resources we have, this is the only one that you can't obtain and store up in a barn somewhere and come back and pick up later when you need more. It's the only one that you can't earn more or invest in more. No, time is time. And this is all that we get. The second one is Talent. Now, talent is an amazing thing, too. This is our our abilities or our gifts. Matthew 25, the parable that Jesus tells about the bags of gold is about this this concept of talent. In Romans 12, 1, reads like this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. This is what God has given us, what he has entrusted to us, as holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of proper worship. You have gifts and you have talents And guess what? You are the only one who has those gifts and talents. Now, other people might have similar things, and and obviously within the context of Scripture, we see different types of gifts, and we recognize that they've been categorized and that kind of thing. But you are the only one that can offer what you can offer. You are the only one that can offer what you have uh, to be part of a kingdom force. And God desires for you to be able to to be part of the kingdom force by by serving him, by loving him, by engaging in relationship with him, but also by loving others. That's the greatest commandment anyway, love God and love others. All of us have special gifts. All of us have talents. All of us have this opportunity to be able to show the signs of the power and the majesty of God in all that we do and all that we say. The talents and the gifts that we have are not just for us or our own use, but they're for the kingdom. They're in the enrichment of others. They're for God. And then finally, maybe you guessed that the third thing is treasure. And this could be summed up simply as money or resources, the tangible things that we have. You and I have been given tangible things, whether a small amount or a large amount as, as the world might define it. But whatever we have, God has given us specific treasure. And Scripture says not to store up our treasures here, but in heaven. And the resource there in Matthew 6, is, as God's talking, or Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and what he's expressing is look, there are, there are tangible things here on earth, but those are supposed to be used to be able to bring forth treasures in heaven. When was the last time you prayed over your car and said, God, how can I use this? Please show me ways to use my car so that I can bring more to you. And what unique ways can I, can I use my, the opportunity that I have to, to be able to, to, to give others tangible things so that they might be able to experience Jesus? You guys do that here. You, you, we, we, last month, we collected peanut butter and jelly. What a tangible way, a good work that we did to create goodwill so that we could share the good news of Jesus. Time talent, and treasure. Now here's the thing, let our earthly gifts of of me, all the things that we have, all the things that we we do, uh, time, talent, and treasure, let them yield heavenly rewards. And heavenly rewards are simply put, heavenly rewards are, are people. Heavenly rewards are things that are eternal, not temporal. If it stays here on earth when this earth is gone or when you pass away, guess what? That's not a heavenly reward. What truly matters are people and our relationship with Jesus. And this morning, as, as we, as we kind of transition now, we're going to have a response here in the context of this room. And, and one of the main things is this. You all remember at the beginning when we asked God to be able to, to, to bring forth a change, a transformation, as to reveal to us something in our lives that he might have us to, to, to grow upon or to, or to change or to give to him. When it comes to time, talent, and treasure, and this reflection of, of the way that God has, has spoken through Paul, the ultimate problem that typically arrives when, when discussing generosity or when, it, when we read about generosity is that we see our time, our talent, and our treasure as our own. It's not. What we have, what you have, and what I have is simply on loan from God. He has given us time, talent, and treasure and asked us to use that so that we might glorify him and bring more to the foot of the cross. We are managers. We are stewards of his resources. And we finally realize that generosity becomes so much easier. Because when you're holding on to something, you think, this is mine, and I'm, this, I'm keeping this. Oh, man, it is so hard to be generous. But when you say, God, everything that I have is yours, it's so easy to just give it away. And like I said earlier, and you probably have experienced this, if you've really allowed God to do it, you can't outgive God. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you're willing. I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, I want us to kind of focus upon what the Spirit might be leading us to do today. Maybe there's a place in your life where you're holding on to your time. You're 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 are not willing to give it, you're not willing to hand it out, you're not willing to say, God, you can have this. Maybe it's your your talent. You say, you know what, I've got this talent, but I I'm kind of nervous to use it. I think people will make fun of me, or I don't think it, it fits, or maybe I have a talent and I think, well, there's this one way to use it, and that's the only way. And God say, No, I have a total different way for you to, or maybe it's your treasure. You say, you know what, this is mine, I've earned it. I'm I'm holding on to it. I'm going to keep it. Whatever it might be, or perhaps maybe even today it's all of it. Maybe it's your life in general. You know, maybe today could be your day. You say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I don't really know that much about this. I don't fully understand it, but I do understand the fact that I'm restless and I've put invested in everything else in life and invested in all these things and none of them work. And when we talk about this God who gave himself, who said, I'm going to give myself, my son is going to, I'm going to go into this, this earth and I'm going to die so that we, you and I, might be able to, as sinners, might be able to experience him in a real way, not just here on earth, but for all eternity. Man, I really want that. I want to experience this love. I want to experience this peace, this hope that I could not experience in the things of the world. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you wanna learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.